Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. I want to teach on the birth of Jesus, and so we're going to read a passage of Scripture here, and I'm really hoping today that today would be more than just a Christmas message, but that by God's grace, it would be a marker in your life, and I think you'll understand what I mean as we dive in, so let's read verses 1 through 7 of Luke chapter 2, begins as follows, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought that I've entitled, A Necessary Inconvenience. A Necessary Inconvenience. And with that, you may be seated. How many many of you here... Don't mind being inconvenienced, necessary or not. Like, like you just don't like to be inconvenienced. Okay, I'm that person. I do not like to be inconvenienced. When someone inconveniences me, it will mess with my day. It will mess with my mood. I do not like to be inconvenienced. I have a plan for my day. I don't like it when people disrupt my plan for my day. Okay, that's just Pastor Josh talking, and I'm sure there's some of you that would agree with me. You have a plan for your day, and you ain't got time for inconveniences. That being said, how in the world would you call this message a necessary inconvenience, and what does it have to do with Christmas? Well, I'm so glad that you asked because contrary to every single nativity scene that you've ever seen, how many know what I'm talking about when I say the nativity scene? Maybe you've got one at your house. It's got Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus and laying in a manger, and maybe you've got the shepherds there and the magi there, and maybe even a camel, whatever. You know what I'm talking about, that, that peaceful, serene nativity scene. Can I just tell you, Lighthouse Church, that's not how it went. Can I tell you that the birth of Jesus didn't really go down like that? So what I want to do is fill you in on how things really happened. Does that sound all right? So let's lean in to what really happened. The first thing we read is that when Mary is pregnant, and I'm talking about pregnant, pregnant. I'm talking about nine months, swollen feet, cankles, pregnant. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you ladies, you remember that last month when all you wanted was for this baby to be out. It always starts off nice, right? The, every, every pregnancy starts off with the maternity photos and all the cute outfits. But by month nine, you're like, get this thing out of me, okay? It's just, it's just got to go. So, so Mary is pregnant, pregnant, and and. What happens is 
Because Israel was under Roman occupation at that time, the Caesar decided, Caesar Augustus, that he wanted to count all of his subjects. He wanted to know just how vast his empire had become. So she's pregnant, pregnant, and the next detail in our story says that Joseph and Mary have to go to Joseph's hometown. You see, they lived in Nazareth in Galilee, but that's not where he was from. He had, he had made his way there, but where he was from was Bethlehem. This is his town of origin. No big deal, right? They've got to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. That, that shouldn't be too complicated, right? Well, let's peel back another layer here. Bethlehem is 90 miles away from Nazareth. Everybody say 90. No problem, right? Mary and Joseph, they can just hop on a train and get, get to Bethlehem, right? No, no, no. He can just get the car, right? Joseph can just pull up the car and, and take a cruise on up the five. No, he can't do that. They, they can't pull out a smartphone and they cannot call Uber. They can't do that either. Mary's pregnant, pregnant, and they have to go to Bethlehem. There's only one way to get there at the time of Christ, and that is by foot. Could you imagine Nine months pregnant, making your way by foot. She probably rode a donkey, okay, a little better, but probably not very comfortable. And Joseph is having to walk it. Most people guesstimate that this was a seven-day trip to get to Bethlehem. That this was not just let's make the trip up. No, this, this took a week. This, this, took, this took some time to get all the way to Bethlehem. But, but off they go because they have to go. They're under Roman occupation. If they don't go, they can be in some serious trouble. So they make their way up to Bethlehem, and after about a week's time, they pull into Bethlehem, and the only thing Mary is thinking about is, I cannot wait to get to my hotel room where I can relax, I can kick up my feet and lay down in the bed. And she looks over at Joseph, and she asks him, so where are our reservations at? No, she didn't do that, okay? That's, 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 there was no Yelp. There was no Hotel.com. There was no, no calling ahead. They showed up, and, and it was what it was, what's available for us. So, so we can infer from the text that they go to the first inn, and Joseph asks the innkeeper, I need a room for two, please. And uh, they said, no room. Okay, well, let's go to the next inn. They go to the next inn. Do you guys have a room for us? There's no more room. And then they get to the third place, and you know how it goes. There's no more room. Why is there no room? Because there's a census. Everybody's coming back home to be counted. And the Bethlehem Bureau of of Tourism clearly wasn't ready for the amount of people that were descending into Bethlehem. So they've only got one option, and that option is a manger. Can you all say a manger? What a manger was is that people at this time would have an annex of their home where they would bring in their animals to sleep at night. They didn't want their animals out and about because another wild animal could come and potentially eat or steal their sheep. And so a manger was an adjacent room at their home where animals slept for the night. That's where Mary would rest. But at least Mary was going to get some rest. So they go, they find a manger for them to be at, and at least Mary's finally going to get some rest, right? No, her water broke. <laughs> so, so now her water breaks and she's about to have a baby. 
Can, can I just contextualize this story for you? Because sometimes I think we miss the context of it all. Let's just say, hypothetically, let's just say, ladies in the room, let's just hypothetically say your husband, for God only knows what reason, convinces you at nine months pregnant to go and watch a Charger game at SoFi. Just that in and of itself is a miracle. I don't know why you'd want to watch the Chargers play. I don't know how he convinced you to go watch the Chargers play. I mean, four down 42 points at the half. I mean, come on. Too soon? Let's just, okay. Hey, we'll, we'll move on. Just imagine. I mean, they got 60 plus put on them. We're not going to talk about that? Anyway, we're going to have a healing altar call in a moment. But just imagine for a moment your husband convinces you to go watch the Chargers play. So far, it's about 90 miles from here. That's why I picked that as my geographical location and to pick on the Chargers. But I picked it mostly for the distance. So you're sitting in SoFi, and all of a sudden, your baby's coming. Could you imagine? You're sitting in SoFi, and your baby starts coming. You're not going to make it back to your hospital in Vista, Carlsbad, Escondido, wherever y'all live. You're not going to make it back. And so there you are at SoFi, and you've got to give birth to your baby. It's not your hospital. It's not your doctor. You don't have your overnight bag, and you don't have the cute take-home outfit for your kid that you planned on having when your kid was born. Listen to me, Lighthouse. This is what it was like. This was the scene at the manger. Let me tell you, none of this was convenient, but all of it was necessary. None of this was what Mary wanted, but all of this was necessary. Let me walk you through the text and begin to show you why all of this was necessary. The first detail that we get in the text is that Joseph has to make it back to Bethlehem because they are conducting a census. And none of this is convenient because it's the wrong time. Can you all say time? Is nine months pregnant with cankles and swollen feet the right time to make a 90-mile trip? No, it's not the right time to make that kind of trip. It's not convenient at all. But you either make the trip or you're going to be in trouble by Rome. And you did not want to get in trouble with Rome back in those days. So you had to make the trip even though it was not the right time. Here's the reason why. The Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. If you're taking notes, write that down. The Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. Why is that? Because hundreds of years earlier, a prophet by the name of Micah, and if you read the story of the scriptures, prophets would see into the future supernaturally by God, and they would begin to predict events that were to come. These prophecies were necessary because in the past, they were looking to the future, but in the present, they were standing on God's present word. And so the prophecies were necessary so that we would know, oh, God said this was going to happen. Now that it is happening, it is, it is confirming the word of the Lord. God is real. Glory to God. And so the prophecy in Micah 5.2, hundreds of years before Jesus is born, says this. But you, Bethlehem. Can you, all, can you all say Bethlehem? The prophet is prophesying over the city of Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small along the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So even though the time was not ideal, God's purpose was greater. How many of you know that sometimes God's purpose is greater than your preference? 
We have our preferences of God, would you do it this way? And God, would you bless me with this? And God, would you let me marry this person? And God, would you give me a house on this side of the town? And God, could I drive this kind of car? How many know that God's purpose is greater than our preferences? It's not subject to our preferences, but God's got a plan. He holds the world in his hand, and whatever the purposes of God are, they are better than our preferences. And so God's purpose is greater than our preference, and God was sending his son Jesus into the world, whose birth we are now celebrating all month long. But in order for Jesus to fulfill the word of God, he had to come through Bethlehem, even though the timing was inconvenient. This was not convenient. And and can I just give you some of my supposition about the text right now? Can I just insert some of my own commentary into the text? And because it's my own personal Pastor Josh commentary, don't make it a doctrine. But this is just my personal Pastor Josh commentary. What in the world would make Caesar Augustus want to conduct a census at that time? Let's think about that for a second. Who put it in the heart of Caesar Augustus to conduct a census? My supposition is is that it was God who put it in the heart of Caesar Augustus because there's no way Mary would have made that trip had it not been a decree from the emperor. And so God moves the heart of the emperor to conduct a census, which means that Joseph tells Mary, Mary, I love you. I'm so sorry. It ain't me. Blame the emperor. But we got to go home. We got to go to Bethlehem, baby. And she's looking at him like, this is not the right time. But But God had a plan. And part of his plan included fulfilling the word of the prophecy spoken through the prophet Micah. You see, God is orchestrating everything. And even though Mary thought it was the wrong time, she's running out of time, and God's got to get that baby over to Bethlehem. God's got to move her to Bethlehem. Now, let me peel back the second layer of the text. The first thing is it was a bad time. Well, they had to get to Bethlehem. Why? Because this was the city of the king. You see, King David, who was regarded as one of the greatest kings in all of Israel, he is from the town of Bethlehem. And Joseph's great, 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 great granddaddy, if you keep on going, was King David. So his lineage is that of Davidic seed. So so he needs to get to Bethlehem in order to be counted because David's from Bethlehem. So... Number two, the Messiah needed to be born of David's seed. You you see, he couldn't just come through any old person named Joseph. He couldn't just be born through any old person. God had a plan that Jesus' daddy here on earth had to be Joseph in order to fulfill this prophecy. Let me read you another prophecy in 2 Samuel chapter 7. God's speaking to David. He says this, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. And watch this now. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Can you all say forever? That meant it was an indefinite throne. It was an eternal throne kingdom. This is not a prophecy concerning one of David's sons. This is a prophecy concerning the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the Messiah named Jesus who would come down to this earth just like the word of the Lord said to David. You see, the word forever indicates that the king was talking about Jesus and not just talking about another person. People don't live forever, but who does live forever? Jesus lives forever. 
Jesus is seated right now. The Bible says at this moment, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you. Did you know that? That Jesus is currently praying over you, interceding over us, and he is in heaven. But here's the good news, church. Just like we celebrate that Jesus came, we know that he's also coming back again. We celebrate the birth of Jesus, but how many of you know that he's coming back again? He's going to reign here on earth again. King Jesus will come again. So even though it wasn't the right time, God's purpose was greater. And so now he has to get them to the right place, that place being Bethlehem. So all of this was necessary. Time was inconvenient. The distance was inconvenient. Now let's talk about the third inconvenience. When they finally get to Bethlehem, there's no room for them. When they finally get to Bethlehem, all of the inns are full. So eventually they had to settle. Everybody say settle. settle. Come on, if you only knew sometimes our settling was God's direction. If you only knew that sometimes what you think is settling is God executing his divine plan for your life. How many times have you thought, man, I have to settle for this. And then months, years later, you would look back and realize that was the hand of God. That had he opened that door for you that you wanted him to open for you, you'd be broken. You'd be miserable. But God shut that door. You thought that you were settling. But what really what God was doing is God was setting you up to reign. And he was setting you up for his will to be done in your life. That wasn't in my notes, but I felt like just saying that. Sometimes we think, I'll just settle. You ain't settling nothing. God closed that door because he's got something better for you. God closed that door because that wasn't his plan for you. God closed that door because he's not done with you yet. Okay, back to my notes. So they thought they were settling, but here's the truth. The Messiah would be the Lamb of God. The Messiah would be the Lamb of God. Let me walk that out because you're giving me strange eyes. Like, what is he talking about? The city of Bethlehem, here's what you need to understand. The city of Bethlehem had one thing that it gave to Israel that no other city in Bethlehem gave. And what was that one thing that the city of Bethlehem gave? The city of Bethlehem was the only place in all of Israel where they would breed spotless lambs. They would breed spotless lambs in the town of Bethlehem. Why was that necessary? Because when a family was going to bring a sacrificial offering for their home for the year, they would need a spotless lamb. And I can't, I don't, time doesn't permit me to go into all of the details of the temple and the tabernacle and the order of worship, but you could bring a dove, you could bring a pigeon, you could bring a ram. But when it came for the annual atonement, the annual sin offering for your family, the head of the house would have to go and get a spotless lamb. And all the spotless lambs came from Bethlehem. And what would happen was the shepherds that were in charge of breeding the spotless lambs, when, it, when a lamb would come out of the womb of another lamb out of its mother, they would check and they would inspect to see if this lamb was spotless. And if this lamb was spotless, they would then get what's called swaddling cloths. And they would wrap this lamb in swaddling cloths and they would separate it from the spotted lambs. You see, the spotted lambs could be used for some purposes, but they couldn't be used for the annual atonement, and they couldn't be used, and they could not be disguised as a spotless lamb. The spotless lambs were wrapped in swaddling cloths and then separated and put into another place. So having said all that, 
Bethlehem is a place where spotless lambs are bred. Spotless lambs are wrapped in swaddling cloths. Can I read to you the next few verses out of the book of Luke? And let's see what we have there. It reads as follows. And the shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I want you to listen to what the text says next. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. You see, the cloths that the angel was talking about was the swaddling cloths that Mary used to wrap her child. But those were the same swaddling cloths that were used to wrap spotless lambs. And here's the good news for us today. Spotless lambs could only cover the sins of a family. But Jesus, the Lamb of God, when he sheds his blood for you and I, he covers the sins for all of humanity. Lighthouse Church, you need to know something today. And that is... Jesus shed his blood so that your sins could already be forgiven. Many of you are sitting in this church right now. You've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. You have no idea that Jesus has already forgiven you of your sins. So I'm here to let you know that regardless of how you feel about yourself, regardless of the condition that you believe yourself to be in, Jesus has already made forgiveness available to you. All you have to do is receive the forgiveness that's available to you because the spotless lamb of God has been slain for the sins of all humanity. This would later be confirmed in John's gospel as he writes about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus and he's baptizing people. He's preparing the way for the Messiah who would come and John sees his cousin Jesus in line to be water baptized and John says this, the next day Jesus, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the, of the family? No, 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 no. Of the world. Only Jesus' blood has the power necessary to forgive all of the sins of the world. That's the good news that we celebrate. When we talk about the birth of Jesus, you need to understand that the birth of Jesus gets us closer to the death of Jesus, and the death of Jesus gets us closer to your life. I'm talking about the life that God always intended for you to live. We have new life because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus was the Lamb of God. Clap your hands if you believe that and if you rejoice in that truth. Okay, so Pastor Josh, the, the distance was great. The timing wasn't perfect. And the end was full. That's a great story, Pastor Josh. But, but what does it have to do with me? As I come to a close, I, I want to really explain to you how this impacts us and how many of us find ourselves and find our lives in the story of Jesus's birth. As I said just a minute ago, the time wasn't right. The timing wasn't ideal. It wasn't the right time to make the trip. And so many times there are people that do not make Jesus their Lord and Savior. They do not make a decision to follow Jesus because they feel like it's not the right time. Pastor, it's just not the right time. You see, I'm young, Pastor, and I've got some life that I want to live, Pastor. And when I'm ready to settle down, Pastor, that's when I'm going to give my life to Christ. Let me tell you, you're not living until you're living for him. 
Let me tell you, you might think you're living, but here's what the scripture says, that he's come to bring us life, and he's come to bring us life in abundance. He's come to bring us the abundant life. See, you can live and still not be living in abundance. You could be living and not be living abundantly. I'm here to call you up into the abundant life because you're never going to find the fulfillment that you might be seeking for in other things. There's only one person who could fulfill your greatest needs and that person is Jesus and his plan for your life is greater than your plan for your life. I'm telling you, Lighthouse Church, if you would say, God, I've been trying to do it my way for so long and I've been trying to do it the way that I think it should be done but I'm done, I'm out of time and I feel like I want to receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Let me tell you, that's the best decision you'll ever make. Come on, Lighthouse Church. How many of you can also echo that and say that's the best decision that you'll ever make? But it's not the right time. There's no time like now to make him your Lord and your Savior. The second thing was the distance. The distance was great and sometimes I've met people who feel like I'm too far from God. My distance is too great, Pastor Josh. You don't understand my life. I love that when people start telling me like they're just an OG. They're like, Pastor, I've done a lot of things, Pastor. I don't know that God could love me, Pastor. The things that I've done, Pastor. How, how could God love someone like me, Pastor? And what people don't understand is he's closer than you think he is. Many times we act like I'm so far from God. The minute you turn around, guess who's going to be there? Jesus is going to be there. He's going to be right there looking at you with his arms wide open saying, I've been waiting for this moment. I couldn't wait for you to turn around and get a glimpse of my love for you. That's how close he is. The Bible says this. The Bible says that he's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, I've got sons. Can I explain to you what this means? Because I had to see this scripture in a whole new light. I can't talk about girls. I don't have any girls. I can't make a girl. I only got boys, okay? That's just, I blame Jesus, all right? But, but can I just tell you about what it's like at my house? You see, a long time ago, my wife and I, we bought this big sectional. We've had this sectional for many years. Almost 12 years we've been living with this sectional. We take care of our stuff. And so we got this big sectional in our house. And we thought, with our growing family, this is going to be perfect. We could all sit down and watch a movie together, and everyone will have their space. How many parents know that when you got boys, they don't like that kind of space? Every single time my wife and I come downstairs and we see our three boys together on the couch, do you know where we see them? In that much space. All three of them. You know what I mean? Legs on top of each other, leaning over on one another. Sometimes I told you, we should have just bought a love seat. I mean, we bought a big old sectional for nothing. They all end up on top of each other close and Jesus sticks closer than a brother Jesus is closer than a brother maybe that's not the relationship you've had with your brother but let me tell you that's the relationship I see with my sons that they're close legs on top of each other watching the movie I'm like spread out not that we're comfortable closer than a brother and when you come to Christ you're going to realize that he's been with you the entire time I'm telling you, Lighthurst Church, I, you make a decision to follow him. You make a decision to make him your Lord and say, you're going to reflect back at moments in your life where you thought you were alone and you're going to see, oh, my God, he was there with me. Moments when you thought that nobody was protecting you, oh, my God. It could have been so much worse. I can see now that the hand of God was over my life. I couldn't see it then. I couldn't appreciate it then. But now that he's in my life and I've got the gift of perspective, I can see that had it not been for the Lord who was on my side, I don't know where I'd be right now. 
I'd be much further than I am right now. I, I'd be in a different situation than I am right now. I, I couldn't see it then, but I see it now. He kept me from going even further. So don't let your perceived distance between you and God tell you. Don't, don't, don't let the distance between you and God tell you that you're too far from him. And here's the last thing, and, and I would say is the greatest thing that we've got to overcome in our time right now. Just like there was new, no room at the inns, there are too many people who don't have room in their hearts for him. There are too many people that are living their life so full that they don't have room. And you get an invitation to church. You get an invitation to come to a Christmas service. Like, oh, man, I ain't got time for this. I don't have time to be a Christian. I got so many things going on. I got a job. I got a side hustle. And I got a side hustle for that side hustle, Pastor. I'm on my grind, Pastor. My life is busy. I don't have time. There's no room in my life. It's not that you don't have room. And I say this with all love. Can I, can I just talk to you as a friend right now? Is that okay? It's not that your schedule is full. It's just that your priorities are out of whack. I hope that didn't sting too much. I love you, okay? I, I love you, but, but we've all got the same 24 hours in a day. And whenever someone tells a pastor, I just didn't have the time, what you're really telling me is it wasn't that important to me. Because how many know you make time for what's important to you? Some of you ain't got no time to throw the ball with your son in the backyard, but you got time to set your fantasy football lineup every week? That's, that's, that's a priority issue. It's not a time issue. That's a priority issue. You got time to binge watch on shows, haven't taken your wife out on a date night? You've got time. That's a priority issue. Let me get back to talking about baby Jesus. I'm so sorry. Let's, let's get back to baby Jesus. Y'all see what I'm saying? And when you let Christ into your heart, he is going to come and not just reorder your priorities, but he's going to reupholster your life. Because there is something better that he has for you. That you've just been making all of the excuses of why I can't and why I shouldn't. And there's no time. And I can't do this. There was no room at the end. But there was a manger that was available. I love the fact that it was a manger, Pastor Joe. Because you know what that lets me know? That the manger, as undesirable as it was, as long as it was open, Jesus was willing to come in. And your life, though you perceive it to be undesirable, and your life, though you perceive it to be a mess, as long as it's open, Jesus will come in. He's not afraid of your mess. He's not afraid of what's going on in your life. There's nothing you can say to him that's going to scare him off and say, oh, my God, I'm not going to go in there. There's nothing you can say to him or show him that he doesn't already know about you. And can I tell you, he knows it and he loves you. He knows it and he's forgiven you. He knows it and he still wants to step in. That's the love of Jesus. It doesn't matter what you've got going on in your life. He loves you through it all. The question is, will you make him your Lord and Savior. Because as I've said just a minute ago, a Savior's been born. That, that's irrefutable. Some people are like, I don't believe. I don't care that you don't believe. 
The Savior's been born. He's the single greatest human that's ever walked on the face of this earth. He's the only one that's ever resurrected from a grave. That makes him the Savior of the world. You can go and look at the tombstones and the grave sites of all these great, incredible people, and their bodies are there. But there's only one person that got up from the grave, and his name is Jesus. And whether or not you believe in him or not doesn't change the fact that he exists, and he's real. And, and sometimes we do this. If I can't see him, he doesn't exist. He, if, if you'd open up your eyes to see him, you'd see not only that he exists, but that he loves you. He's crazy about you. And so we're celebrating the birth of a Savior. But my question is, is he your Savior? Have you made him your savior because there's a difference just because a savior exists doesn't mean he's your savior until you've made him your savior because one thing i know about jesus is he's a gentleman and he does not impose himself on you so even though he is real and he is the savior of this world he's not your savior until you make him your savior and the beautiful thing is that to make him our savior is simply to ask him in that's it, Lighthouse Church. And don't let anyone tell you it's any more complicated than that. When you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, he is able to come into your life and be the Lord of your life and to be your Savior and to come in and to begin a brand new journey in relationship together with you. And that's what I want for you today, this Christmas season. We're going to celebrate his birth in eight more days. We're eight days away, everybody. Come on, if you haven't gotten gifts yet, you're running out of time. Eight more days. But, but wouldn't it be amazing if this Christmas would be the first Christmas where he wasn't just a person in a story, but he was your Savior? Wouldn't it be amazing if this Christmas was the first Christmas where you don't just celebrate his birth, but you celebrate that he's been born in your heart? That he's now your Lord and your Savior. So this is how I want to end. I want to pray for you. And in a moment, I'm going to ask, if you've never made him your Lord and Savior, would you raise your hand and just say, in this moment, I choose to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. I just took you through all the prophecy. Micah, Samuel, all of this was inconvenient, but all of it was necessary to show us that he is who God says he is. But if he isn't that to you, you don't get to reap the benefits. So I'm going to pray for you right now with every eye closed and every head bowed before I pray over you. If right now in this moment you would like to make him your Lord and your Savior, or if you're coming back because you stepped away, it's been, you've been away from him, but, but you're, you're ready to come back. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise that hand. And let me tell you, it's not a hand. It's not about the hand going up. It's about the heart that's going up. So on the count of three, if you're ready to make him your Lord and Savior, would you throw that hand up? One, two, three. Put that hand up. Go ahead. Put that hand. Raise that hand. Said, I make him my Lord and my Savior. You can put that hand down. Let me pray over you. As I pray over you, as I pray these words, would, would, would you also, if it's helpful, repeat them? But, but would this be your personal prayer in this moment? Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son to this earth.
If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.